The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go straight into my message this morning. Um, and, you know, let's have ourselves a great time in the Word. Amen. All right. It's good to be here. It's been great being here the last couple of days as we have had Exposure 2023, our Women's Conference. We've had an amazing time. If you didn't catch it live, then go catch it online. And it's okay, even if you're a man, you'll get, you know, the anointing is not going to discriminate. It was amazing. And today, I will kind of wrap it up here by speaking a message or preaching a message that I titled The Disciplined Pursuit of Knowledge. The Disciplined Pursuit of Knowledge. You know, I almost didn't have the discipline to prepare this message. Amen. Um, of course, it had been in my spirit, it had been in my heart. But um, this morning, after I worshiped God, they beat. And then I'm like, I'm going to catch a quick, you know, sleep a little bit more and then get ready, you know, read my Bible and then get ready for service. And as I put my head on the pillow, you know, um, yesterday night when I was going to bed, sometimes I watch Netflix to help me fall asleep at night. So, but I watch what I watch. I mean, I'm very careful. There are some things that keep you awake, not help you fall. So yesterday I was watching this movie about a lady who was a street cook. And then somebody introduced her to a chef, you know, told her, someone went there, tasted her food and said, your food is too sweet, you know, too good, you shouldn't be here, you should be at this restaurant learning how to cook. So she went and showed up there and the master chef there started to test her out. And it, it was so hard on her that the first day she actually tried so hard and she cried and almost quit, but then she came back and then cooked all night to try to get it right. As I began to fall asleep, that image just flashed. And then the Holy Spirit said, that was somebody learning something to benefit people's natural body. Yes, she was disciplined enough to do it. You are going to feed people's spirits. It was almost like, it didn't say quite, quite this way it was, but it was almost like the Holy Spirit said, get up, my friend, you know. I got up, you know. Now, if all you ever hear from the Holy Spirit is nice words, where it's like saying, nice, I love you, cool, you know, don't worry, relax, you are my beloved, that's great. But if that's all you ever hear, it, doesn't, it means that he's not giving you assignments. Amen. Uh-huh. So if that's all you ever hear, just encouragement. And the Lord never chastises you, never tells you, get, tells you to get your act together, never tells you to get disciplined and get in shape, never tells you to prepare for something ahead, never tells you to leave some things behind and pick some things up. Um, you are not a man or woman on assignment, and that is no good. Because the life that we have been given is an assigned life. There's a purpose to it. And purpose requires discipline. 
So anyway, I just thought I'd share that story um, with you. Before we go into our message today, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. It says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified the disciplined pursuit of knowledge. Let's bow down our heads for your word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for another time, another opportunity to minister to your sheep, to minister your word, to hear your word and be taught by your spirit. Father, I ask, oh God, that you anoint my lips of clay. I ask, oh God, that you speak words that inspire, words that encourage, words that build up through me, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, and anoint the ears of your people to hear today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. To be disciplined means showing a controlled form of behavior or way of working. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Apostle Paul lets us know that he, you know, the summary of that passage, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, is basically, I discipline myself so that after I have spoken to others, you know, it will not be as if the fruit did not show in my own life either. In other words, I could preach this, and if I don't, I'm not disciplined enough to have it in my life, then I, it will not benefit me. So plus the hearer, plus the speaker, there's something that is required to make the word, to make these things work. There's something required to have these things benefit us, to have these things actually accomplish what they are supposed to accomplish in our lives. You know, I discovered that the only area of your life you can submit to God is the area that's under your control. What do I mean? You can't sum submit something you have not taken control of to God. For example, if you say in 2023, I'm going to be more spiritual. I'm going to tithe, you know, my time to God every day. So if you are going to tithe 24 hours in a day, that's about two hours something. Like every day, I'm going to give a tithe of my time to God. Right, so you have 24 hours in a day. You have a time you have to get out of the house to go to work. All right, you have the time you come back home. You know, there's stuff that needs to be done, there are chores that need to be done, food that needs to be cooked, or whatever, however it works in your household. Okay, like you desire it. I'm going to give two hours. Who can do the math? What's 10% of two hours? How many minutes? Is it two hours, 40 minutes? It's 2.4, but is it two hours, 40 minutes? It's going to be 40 over 100 times 60. Okay. Two hours, 24 minutes. I think it is. All right. So, um, you know, I think I may be wrong. Um, so, but, you know, let's say you are supposed to leave the house at, this is Lagos, so 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 
you know, you're supposed to leave the house for work at 6 a.m. It takes you about 30 minutes to get ready. And then you consistently wake up at 5.30. All right? You consistently wake up at 5.30. And then when you come back home, you know, you forgot to plan for the week, so you get home and you're like, what are we going to eat tonight? You kind of, you know, you know, you know when we're not organized, it takes us longer to get things done. So you kind of, okay, what we would do? Uh, should we eat rice? Okay, let's go. Oh, we don't have enough rice. Okay, let's try beans. You, you finally figure out what you are going to eat. So you've spent maybe an extra 30 minutes just thinking, what are we going to eat? Finally, food is prepared. You eat and it's 11 o'clock and you need to go and sleep. Do you know that as much as your heart desires to spend two hours, 24 minutes with God every day. Because you have not taken control of your time, you can't give God that time. All right. Let me give another example. You decide I'm going to give more this year. I'm going to be a giver. Uh, no, it was bad last year. I didn't give very much, you know. I wasn't very, you know, I wasn't a faithful steward. I didn't give more. But this year, ah, uh, I would do more than tight. I want to give 20% of my income to God. All right. So you get your salary. As you are coming, you see gala, you buy. You get home, your children are like, mommy, we want ice cream. You're like, just got my salary now. You go buy ice cream. And then you're like, ah, oh, I can't cook. Oh, let's go and buy, what, Chicken Republic. You know, your friends are going on, out on Saturday. It's a no one bear. There's um, Ashwebi. You buy Ashwebi. By the time the end, the end of the month comes, like, I planned to give this, this month. But somehow, somehow, you know, it just didn't happen. Why? The money you don't have control, you've not taken control over, you cannot give to God. It's not just having a heart for it. There's also a disciplined approach to it. Because what we don't have control over, we cannot give to God. Amen. First, it's under your control. Then you can give it. All right. Yeah, if you are feeling ouch, me too, I feel, I, I don't necessarily like a message on discipline. Because I used to feel like, oh, I'm a, I'm a very creative person, you know. I don't like to feel boxed in. If I hear things like routine, ah, routine doing the same thing over and over again the same way, you know. <laughs> but I just finally realized that no matter how big the dreams are, no matter how big the vision is, even everything we are shouting about exposure, no matter how great that revelation is in our hearts, if we do not have a disciplined approach to it, we will not get it done. Because we only have limited resource, resources in time, in energy, in money, in, in people resources, in time resources, in energy resources. And if we don't budget it, and we don't plan it, and we don't have a disciplined approach to it, we will not use it in the way that serves us in the best way. Amen. We will not let our lives serve us well. So discipline, self-control, getting better at it is very important. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 16 verse 32, 
It says, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Better is one with self-control than the one who takes a city. Because the one who takes a city will eventually lose control of the city without self-control. You know, you've heard of people that are left with so much wealth, maybe when the father passed or whatever, and just blew it because they had no discipline. They had no self-control. They had no training in the discipline in how to make decisions about resources and money in a disciplined way. Proverbs 25, 28 says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. God can only have access to the area of your life you have taken control of. So for the very um, purpose of being able to give more of ourselves to God, you know, that in itself could be a motivation to cultivate more discipline in our lives. That I want to give more of myself to God. I want to give more of my money to God. I want to give more of my resources to God. So even though I may feel like I don't have the personality to be, I don't, I'm not necessarily, I don't think that I have the personality to be disciplined. I don't think I have the personality to, you know, structure things in my life, you know, but because I want to give more to God, amen? You see, when we say we love God, we can be very emotional about it. Oh, I love you, God. I love you in worship. We can cry. We can, you know, roll on the floor. We can do all those things. But when the robber meets the road, it's some of these decisions we make that show how much we love him. When I say, God, I want you to get more out of my life. I want you to get more value out of my life. I want you to be able to use me for more. I want you to be able to use me for, you know, to impact more lives. I want you to be able to use me for more impactful projects. If for that alone, you know, people get disciplined just to get, have a better life for themselves. Right? Some people, many people, in fact, you find out many unbelievers are more disciplined than believers. Because believers, we tend to use the fact, oh, I'm under grace and just go for it. The apostle of grace, Apostle Paul, was the one who wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and so many other scriptures. And we see in his life that there was a lot of structure and discipline and commitment. Amen? All right, so when the robber meets the road, it takes more than emotions. Okay. And today, you know, Tying it to the topic at hand, which, which is um, I, I, my assignment during exposure was to talk about exposure through the lens of knowledge. But this morning, both in this service and the next service I'm going to preach, the Lord laid this on my heart, that there needs to be a disciplined pursuit of this knowledge. You know? And I'm telling you because you have very great aspirations as you leave this conference. You'll have very great intentions. But if I don't warn you that the human nature really does not flow with these things naturally, then I would not be setting you up for the success that you could have. You know, because if you hit life as usual, go back 
to life as usual and don't make some decisions. You make, it may take six months before you remember that we ever had a conference called Exposure. Yeah, wait a minute, I was, I was going to be exposed. What happened to, my, what happened to my plan to be exposed, right? Amen. All right, so, so we have talked about exposure in the last couple of days, just so the men amongst us and the people who weren't at the conference know. I mean, we talked about exposure in learning, in relationships, in empathy. We were supposed to cover experience, but we really didn't quite um, touch experience. So I will have to do it in Chicago, and you know, uh, you can you'll be able to access it on YouTube. However, like I said, if we don't have a disciplined approach towards it, even everything we've learned will not expose ourselves to all these things, even in creating, cultivating relationships, but most importantly, in accessing the knowledge we need. It is not about how much you do. Now, when we talk about discipline and having a disciplined approach to things, you see, sometimes when we want to make a change, we want to make a radical change. You know, tomorrow I'm going to spend two hours praying in the spirit. And every day after that, I'm going to spend two hours in the morning praying in the spirit. Every day after that. And then after the first day, you know, maybe we push it. First day, second day, third day. Especially when you are, if you are just starting. And then by third day, you kind of like, oh, you know. Your alarm rings, you snooze it, <laughs> and you roll over and sleep. Okay, so it's not about what we just, we do a whole lot at a stretch, okay? Somebody was saying something. She said that we overemphasize how much results we can get in a year and underemphasize how much results we can get in five years. In other words, we overestimate, or overestimate, let me say, how much you can get done in a short time. Like, I can do this. And we are just thinking about it in the short, in, uh, on the short term, the short run. And then want to put a lot into it. And like the hair who got tired and slept while the turtle, how many people remember that folk tale? While the turtle was going slow and steady, slow and steady, the hair started off and was running, running, running. After a while, it's like, ah, I've tried now, took a nap. And the slow and steady turtle ended up winning the race. So it's not about how much you do at a goal. You know, so we overestimate how much you can do in accomplishing one year. That's why sometimes we set big goals, and after that short time, we can't get it and we get discouraged. But at the same time, we, under we underestimate how much we can get done in five years. That if you do a bit at a time, and you do it consistently, we don't realize how much of a result we can get that way. So it's not so much about how much you can do at a time, but it's about consistency. And I will share some practical examples with us in a bit. It's about how we can do what we can do consistently. It's not about, oh, you know, you do this big thing at once and then you never revisit it. You read two books of the Bible at once because you are going to finish the Bible that year. So you read two and then you've not read but a verse a day since then if even you know whereas the person who is reading 
five chapters every day and eight on Sunday, we'll get through it in a year. All right? So it's about consistency. It may be a little, but time compounds, a little at a time gets compounded over time. A little bit at a time gets compounded over time. It adds up. Okay. So we talked about uh, learning. I think we talked about books. If we didn't, I'll talk about it later on more in my message, you know. But by and large, this it won't be the first time you are going to hear that lead, readers are leaders and it's so important to read, you know. But you may get discouraged, especially pick up a big book. For some of us, it's a small book, you know. And then you, you read the first few pages and you don't even know where the book is right now. Amen. But you know what? Do you know scheduling to read 20 minutes a day? Scheduling? You, look, if you, if you take out of the time you spend on Instagram, take 20 minutes out of it in a day, and you say, I'm going to read 20 minutes a day, you actually set an alarm to do it. Set an alarm, 20 minutes, I'm going to read. The following day, 20 minutes, I'm going to read. Most preferably the same time because it helps you with your consistency. 20 minutes, I'm going to. You'll be amazed at how much you would have gained in one month. That's 20 minutes. So instead of crying over the two hours or three hours or four hours you don't have, take the 20 minutes. If it's not 20 minutes, if it's 10 minutes, I think we should be, we can. But even if it's 10 minutes and it's done consistently, You'll be amazed. So you may not finish a book in a day, but you read 20 minutes at a time, one day you'll finish that book. No matter how slow you are, one day you'll finish that book. So the consistency and the focus to stay consistent is very important. I said I'll share some practical things. Now, my phone, I was telling somebody today because my phone just kept going off alarm. I have about five alarms in the morning. My husband has complained. Because sometimes I even leave my phone in the living room, you know. And there are days when, because he wants to do some things and he's sleeping late, he will go and sleep in the other room. So the living room is closer to the other room, uh, you know, where he goes if he needs to do some things and he's not coming to the, our room. He says, your alarm will be ringing, <laughs> you know. Allah will be ringing, waking everybody up. You may not even be hearing it. Those are a few days. Those, are, those days are few, and I'll tell you why. You know, but I have about five alarms. I have an alarm that wakes me up. Okay, the alarm says wake up. I have an alarm that says, it says wake up, get ready for the gym. I get ready. I have another one that says go to the kitchen, drink water, you know, take some supplements. Live for the gym. I have one that says... Then spend time with God. Okay. Read. Read. Get ready for work. Okay. Out of the door. All right. At least for the morning. I realized I needed to do that. Okay? I needed to do that because I'd have a lot I have Oh, you see, I got tired of vision, vision, vision not being accomplished. 
10 things God has placed on my heart. How many did you do? I got tired. Like there has to be a way to get this done. And then I realized that it's not, you take a big vision and cut it up into chunks. And at the end of the day, the smallest denominator is your daily habit. You're right? I mean, for example, I wasn't reading the way I should. I had to schedule it. So sometimes my husband wants to gist. I'd be like, baby, give me five minutes. I just still have five minutes left. If I didn't, my husband's gist are sweet. In fact, that's one of the things I enjoyed the most about this phase of our lives. We're empty nesters. If we somewhere being busy, I'm like, where is he? Let him come and gist with me. You know, it's, yeah, and he can have gist from morning till night. So, if I didn't have a plan, every time he has a gist, I'll be like, so I'll tell him, it's not like I don't want to hear, but give me 10 more minutes. I have 10 more minutes to do this for the day. Hmm? And you are hearing it from somebody who does, I don't like routines. Okay, let me confess, I like routines. <laughs> I like adventure. Let's do something new today. Let's do it differently today. You know? But I realize that at least my morning needs to be planned. At least my morning, before I go out, it needs to be planned. Amen. So, the pursuit of knowledge, you know, we talked about knowledge as a lens to exposure. It needs to be disciplined or else we will not do it or we won't do it consistently. You know, I was with Pastor Onida where I had um, a quick get together with the speakers for the conference on Thursday before uh, the conference started, you know, just wanted us to sink our hearts and everything. And first, my, my alarm went off at 3 p.m. I have something at 3 p.m. Apart from my morning alarm, I have one for 3 p.m. And the 3 p.m. alarm is to review my visions and my goals. Again, I had to schedule it. So my alarm went off at 3 p.m. Pastor Nida's alarm went off at 3 p.m. Pastor Tokwe's alarm went off at 3 p.m. So the third per the last person, fourth person we thought was like, is that alarm for prayer? Like, <laughs> there was a prayer in your ministry at 3 p.m. <laughs> it was so funny. All of pro, pro, pro at 3 p.m. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know what their own alarms were for, but we all had alarms. And then yesterday, too, at 3 p.m., alarm went off. So, he does alarm went off, you know. Um, but I realized that I need it. Okay? I need it. Because things don't just get done. Things don't just happen. Even our commitment to God does not just happen. I hope I proved it to you with the example about the finance and even the time we want to spend with God. It doesn't just happen. There needs a, to be a disciplined approach to it. Now let's talk about the pursuit of knowledge. The knowledge you should pursue. Number one knowledge you should pursue is the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. Ephesians 1, chapter 17 to 18 in the Passion Translation says, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, let me just put a caveat here. Now, I mean, I have flexibility. For example, when I'm traveling like this, you know, I give myself the room. 
to move things around, okay? For example, when I'm traveling, I kind of just sometimes ignore the alarm, all right? Knowing that once I go back home, I'm resetting back to my normal thing, routine. Okay, so it's not like it's so rigid. And then on Saturdays, I have a different set of alarms because I can wake up later. On Sunday, too, I can wake up a different time than during the week, you know, and all that. So, um, so I, there's flexibility there. Um, basically, what I just try to do, especially when I'm at home, is if I know I'm going to um, leave home at a certain time, you know, my schedule starts three hours before, you know. So I know that that may not be practical for everybody, but I try, not I try, my schedule starts three hours before. I, I'm out, I need to be out of the door. But that also means that at night, I can't be binging on Netflix. Amen. I can't be binging, you know, it kind of just informs the other areas of your life. Because I know that that binge on Netflix means I can't sleep as much, right? That means that I'm, I'm, I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul, all right? So I know that, hey, this movie you are watching that's sweetening you. It's going to cost you tomorrow morning, okay? Um, all right, so the first knowledge we need to pursue, the knowledge of God. Ephesians chapter 1, 17 to 18, it says, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, in us his holy ones. Amen. The Bible talks about the spirit of revelation and Apostle Paul praying for the Ephesians that they be given the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know God more. Glory be to Jesus. That's a prayer I like to pray before I read my Bible. To pray for a spirit of wisdom so that you can know God. You know, you can only know God because he has revealed himself to you. If not, the Bible will just be words. But when he reveals himself to you, he opens the eyes of your understanding that you may know him. And the knowledge we start with is our knowledge of God. The knowledge that's most important to us as believers is our knowledge of God. Growing in our knowledge of him. Knowing him more. Pursuing the knowledge of him. Colossians 1, 9 to 10 says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. It's a prayer that Apostle Paul prayed for the Colossian church several years ago, and it's an evergreen prayer. 
It's a prayer that's still relevant today. Increasing in the knowledge of God. We have to be committed in increasing in our knowledge of God. The knowledge of God you have today is not enough. The knowledge of God you gained five years ago when you were in discipleship is not enough. The knowledge of God you gained three years ago when you were very, very serious that year is not enough. We need to be increasing in our knowledge of God. So the first pursuit of knowledge is pursuit of our knowledge of God. I cannot take it for granted that because I'm a Christian and I've been in church for so many years that I know God enough. I can't. Even as a pastor, I can't take it for granted that people are coming to church, coming to my church and serving. They therefore know God enough. There are some people, they don't open their Bibles until the pastor says, let's open to First Peter chapter 2 on Sunday. They don't. Every other day of the week, the Bible is gathering dust. The electronic Bible is never opened. If you look at your U-version record, U-version is telling us that the last time you opened this app was last Sunday, and it's not like you have another Bible somewhere that you are reading. Our first pursuit is the pursuit of the knowledge of God. Someone says, I don't have time. Before you know it, I have to do this. Before you know it, I have to do that. Before you know it, that's why we need to plan it. Because before you know it, yes, so much will happen. That's why you have to plan it. When exactly am I going to read my Bible? At advice in the morning, not in the evening, I'd advise. I'm not saying you can't read in the but I'd advise in the morning. Not in the evening when you are quarter to sleep. Amen? Mm-hmm. Man, we need to pursue the knowledge of God. Our first pursuit is the knowledge of God. I mean, do you know him as much as you can? Have four questions to ask you here today. How do you know that, or how do we know that we are pursuing the knowledge of God as much as we should? First of all, ask yourself, do I know him as much as I can? In other words, we all have the ability, the potential to know God. You have the ability to know God. Do I know him as much as I can know him? I know that I don't know him yet as much as I can know him. There's still so much about him I can know. So I know that there's always there's still work to be done as long as I wake up and it's today. I ask myself, do I know him as much as I can? No. So you ask yourself, do I know him? Do I know him as much as I can? Is this all there is that I can know him? Is this how much I can know of him? Have I reached my peak? Have I reached the height of it? Do I know him as much as I can? Number two, do you know him as much as you should? That's as much as I can. That's as much as you should. You know, something in our hearts is telling us, ah, 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 guy. You should know God more than this now. You know? You know God more than this now. I know something in me tells me. You know? Ah, 
you should know God more than this. Do I know him as much, much as I should? You know? I know him as much as I should. Amen. Do you know him as much as you desire to? All right? There's a desire on the inside of all of us to get to know our maker more. Even for the unbeliever, they say desire. Many times they've just, you know, pushed it down, you know, distracted themselves from it, substituted it with other things, you know. After a while, it seems like they, but there's a desire on the inside of every creature to know his creator. Do I know him as much as I desire? The psalmist said that as the deer longs after the water, so my soul longs after you. My soul desires you to know you more. Then finally, do you know him as much as others around you? See, when there's someone around you who is pursuing God, who knows God, who is quoting scripture, left, right, center, who is like, ah, uh ah, -uh, spirit, don't just go and say spirit, jin, jin. Don't say spirit, coco, ah, spirit, coco, you know, and then put them in a category you can never be in. Ah, she means sister, whatever. Oh, that's how she is. She's a walking Bible. What about you? She's supposed to inspire you, not for you to put her in a category. Do you know him as much as others around you? You know, we look at people, you know, they have, maybe they buy a new car, or they've just gotten married, or whatever, and we're like, Lord, when, Lord, when? We should start looking at people's pursuit of God and be like, Lord, when, Lord? Ah, ah, wow. See how much that person knows God. Ah, ah. See their relationship with God. See how much they pursue God. Ah, God, Lord, when? How about that? That's a healthier Lord, when, Lord. Because it's a, it's a Lord, when, Lord that you have control of. You can then choose to pursue God more. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. So, do you know him as much as others around you? All right. Amen. The second knowledge we should pursue that I want to talk about is the pursuit of how the world works around us. Pursuing the knowledge of how the world around us works. You know? Amen. Now, there's something, something about the Apostle Paul, very, very remarkable about him, was that he had an understanding of, how the, of the world around him. He had an awareness of the world around him. Probably why God could use him for things he couldn't use Peter for. Amen? Apostle Paul, by and like, then wrote about the revelation. Apostle Paul was the one who helped us to see what really happened on the cross. Without Apostle Paul, we wouldn't have an understanding of some of these intimacy, these intricacies of the gospel, about the gospel, the mystery of the gospel, what it was all about. It was Apostle Paul. But by and large, he was a, a well-versed individual. 
he had an understanding. Now, through formal education, but also through observation and just through an, an, an openness to learning. And I'll show you an example about things around him. So that even when he debated on issues concerning scripture, concerning Christ, he could, he could debate with intelligence. It was not intimidated. And he could tie things together in such a way that people could understand. We see an example of that in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 22 to 23. It says, Paul then stood in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very, this is in NIV, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. So Apostle Paul started with what they knew. And now they didn't know what they knew. He observed, said he walked around, and instead of just, you know, dead to everything, I'm, I'm dead to everything but Christ, you know. And just start. I come to proclaim Christ to you and blah, blah. No, he took it from what they knew. He said, I walked around. I observed carefully. It's like going to a museum and you are observing. You know, when I go to, when I visit a museum, I go, I read. My husband has gone. I'm reading. I'm observing. Reading, reading, reading. The only thing is that all the knowledge is lost on me. I forget about 90% of what I read. And my husband will read one thing. I will remember. Me, I will read. I'll delay everybody. <laughs> Man, it's so bad. I said, God, what is it? I'll delay everybody. Be like, baby, let's go. Ah, no, 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 no. Ah, 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 ah. No, 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 no. Come and ask me two weeks later. <laughs> he said, ah, were you not reading it? I forgot it, you know. I mean, so if there's something I really have to remember, I need to use techniques that help memory. If it's something, but it does it to my life. What does what happened 2,000 years ago to my life? So, you know, I just read it, I enjoy it for the moment, and then move on. But anyway, this was Apostle Paul, like at a museum, like reading, reading carefully. And then, bam! He found a way to relate where they were at to where he wanted to take them. All right? So it was a person who was conscious of what was going on around him. You see, it's very important that we understand or we grow in the knowledge or pursue the knowledge of how things work around us. There are some of these things, many of the you won't see in the Bible. The Bible will not tell you how, you know, Bitcoins work, the stock market work, finances work. The Bible will give you a bedrock and a foundation for how you have to think about your finances. But when it comes to how it works in your culture, in your economy, we, need, we will need to learn. We'll need to learn. We need to pursue knowledge in that area. Even in things like marriage, in things like raising children, the Bible will give us great information now i taught it last year i won't go into that teaching but you know the bible will give us okay let me let me go into the scripture the bible says that through wisdom a house is built by understanding its foundations are established said by knowledge its rooms are filled with pleasant things okay 
the foundation is the word. Our foundation is God's word. So with God's word, we, you build a foundation of a good building. It's not going to fall because it's raining. All right? Um, a, a building crumbled on Banana Island two, a few weeks ago. A house built, I mean, now spiritual, your, your, any aspect of your life that's a building that has its foundation in God's word, has the solid foundation. It's not going to crumble because it's built on the word, the wisdom of the word, understanding of the word. Jesus tells that parable of two people that built houses, one that built on the foundation of the, and then let us know that the, the foundation of solid rock he was talking about was the saints, the word, and the one that built on sand. The houses may have looked great on the outside, but when the robber met the road, the one that was built on sand crumbled. All right, so the word gives us the solid foundation, but a bare house is not beautiful. If you just come, if you are, ah, my house, so there's no chair, there's no furniture, there's no mattress on the floor, but ah, the foundation is solid. It's solid. I'm entering the house. You didn't even paint it. Nothing. But ah, it's solid foundation. Maybe if you just moved, and I know that you spent a lot building the house. But 10 years time, solely for, I'd rather go to somebody's house. Maybe it's not as big, solid foundation, because I don't want house to follow me. But as a bed, I can sit, sleep on. As a chair, we can sit on and converse, right? As something, I can put my food when I'm eating. Glory be to Jesus, right? So some believers, they have solid foundation, but no beauty. Because they don't know anything about how the world around them works with knowledge. The rooms are filled with beautiful things. All right? Do you get my analogy? Okay. So now it's not the beautiful things. We don't use the beautiful things and the knowledge of the world as our foundation. But we use it to beautify our lives. So there's a need to pursue knowledge of how the world around us works. How do we do it? We read. Read. Podcasts. Form meaningful relationships. Use social media to learn. Not just to get entertained. I know to say don't use social media for entertainment. I'm just kidding. I'm fooling myself. We, we, entertainment, we need some entertainment in our lives, you know. But don't let it be just checking up, you know, um, the latest gossip, the latest, what's this lady's name, Linda, okay, is she still big, is she still, not anymore, who is the latest, uh -huh, somebody, they still love her, just love her, hey, I need to go follow them. But use it, the same data that we we'll used to read just all day, we could use to improve our knowledge in some areas that will improve our lives. Amen. So, you know, you get knowledge on how the world works through books, through podcasts, through relevant YouTube videos, through certain things on other social media platforms, through all the other lenses of exposure that we've talked about 
in this conference. Apostle Paul said in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, he says, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, at Troas, and my scrolls, especially the parchments, is equivalent of saying in our day today, bring my books. Amen. Bring my books. Read books about the Bible. Read books about God. Read books about the world around you. Read books about how the world works. Man, there are some books I've read this year that have made, you know, some, one of the issues I used to have, I had a lot last year, was in leadership was knowing how to delegate. And I had some mindsets that were affecting me. Number one, um, to be able to delegate effectively, you need to be better at communication. You need to spend time explaining, this is what I want done. And then ask the person, what did I say? And then when they say, then you correct. No, that's not why I didn't say go and put the yellow table on the red chair. I said put the yellow chair on the red table because it happens. In fact, ever since I started practicing, I realized it's important. Okay, send this email, blah, 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 blah. What did I say? Okay. Send this email to A to tell A to tell B that Z should do something. What did I say? Oh, Z should do this. No? So, so the communication part, I realized I needed to work on. So instead of communicating, what will I do? Ah, all that while, I'll just do it myself. The only thing is that the person has not gotten the opportunity to learn how to do it. So that next time, you don't have to do it yourself. And then you can go do something else. That was one thing I had problems. I, I wasn't getting. Number two, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't sink in that there are only a few things that everybody is gifted to do. Out of the hundred, out of everything you are probably doing, there are only 5% of those things you are gifted to do. There are other people gifted to do 95% of what you do. So you do what you, what you can do, what you are the only one who can do very, very well, and find ways to delegate the other 95%. I didn't realize that, you know? So I'll be doing plus the one I enjoy, plus one I don't enjoy, plus the one that's stressful, but one I'm not doing well, plus one. Just, and at the end of the day, you don't get enough done. And then number three, I didn't realize that there are things I hate doing that other people love doing. So this was me being kind, like, ah, this thing is so terrible. Instead of putting this burden on somebody, let me just do it. Whereas there's somebody who enjoys doing that. I honestly didn't know that there are some things I hate doing that there are people who, lo who would love to do it. How did I discover all these things? By reading and by listening to podcasts. I'm telling you, this year, Ah, God has helped me. Amen? Because I've learned how to delegate better. Did it come through prayer? Probably, probably the prayers led me to the right books. You know? But I prayed throughout, Lord help me, Lord help me. Some of us were praying, Lord help me, Lord help me, Lord. And then someone brings a book by your way. Lord help me, Lord help me, Lord. You don't know it was God that brought that book your way. Lord help me, Lord help me, oh God help me, God help me. You know, there was a time I was praying that prayer about a particular area of my life. Oh, oh Father, help me. And God said, you've been praying this prayer. So it was like God told me that to let me know that it's not that he didn't hear me. He said, you've been praying this prayer for this long. It was about a year that you've been praying for a year and I've not done anything about it. What are you going to do? Ah, I sat up. I said, I better take another approach. All right? There are things eating in other people that they have put in books, they have put in 
but in fact, in this day and age, it's almost like people can't wait to just share, 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 share. In fact, that's why you need to start with the foundation of God's word, because people are sharing, sharing, plus nonsense, plus rubbish, plus poison they are putting out there. So you need to be discerning. For you to be discerning, you need to know yourself. For you to know yourself, you need to know yourself in God. That's why you start with your pursuit of the knowledge of God, and then you build all other knowledge on that. Amen. Thank you very much. All right. So finally, um, self. So the third area where we need to pursue knowledge, the, the knowledge we need to pursue, is self-awareness and knowledge of yourself. Now, um, this is a whole uh, topic on its own, and I may not be able. I won't. I won't be able to get into all the different things today. But it's, it's important to know you and pursue the knowledge of you. God created, you see, see you, are, you are, you know, at the beginning I said you are an assignment. You are so carefully put together, so wonderfully wrought, and you are such a complex being that you deserve study. In fact, we should name a discipline after you. This pastor Tony, now we should have a Tonyology, a study of Tony. Amen. In fact, if you are busy discovering you, you will stop minding business that's not yours. Because there's enough to study about yourself that you'll be like, what is my business? I don't have time to go and be studying other people, spend five hours talking about somebody else. What about me? There's a, there's a pursuit of the knowledge of yourself that will help you to discover your weaknesses, your strengths, how you thrive, how you get things accomplished, what depletes you of energy, what energizes you, what motivates you, how you catch vision, how you run with vision, the kinds of people, friends you need to put around you so that you can accomplish vision. You know, last year in Kingsford, Dallas, I preached a message called Four Friends Everybody Must Have. Four kinds of friends everybody must have. And I used the story of the man who was brought to Jesus through the roof, the paralyzed man, to talk about it. You know, studying you will let you realize the kind of weaknesses you have so you know the kind of friends you need. Some of us, the kind of friends we, need, we have are not serving us. They are not serving us. They are, they are nice to have. They are fun. You know, you laugh, 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 you gist, you talk about other people's matter, you do all that, you laugh. And by the time they leave, they've depleted you more than they've added to you. You don't know because you don't know you. Someone comes, everybody that comes, can I be your friend? You're like, yeah, 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 I'm very lonely, yes, 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 yes. No. Amen. There are some people, can I be your friend? Your mind, you are like, ah. What do they say? Tufia? Is that what? Tufia? Tufia? Knowledge. Exposure. Tufia? You know? You need to study yourself. You're a specimen. What's studying? 
worth devoting some, devoting some time to. Amen? Glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and rise up to our feet. My time is up. Hallelujah. And let's begin to pray in the spirit. Oh, Father, we give you praise. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. And this is the prayer I want you to pray for yourself. That next year will not meet me on this level. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. Next year will not meet me on this level. I'm cooperating with God to get everything he has for me in this season. In the name of Jesus. I want you to then, after you've said that, I want you to then lift up your voice and begin to pray in the spirit. The preceding message was brought to you by King's Word Everywhere, Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-006-40.